0: Jai Man-natha Shri Jagannatha Guru, Shri Jagad Guru, Madatma, Sarv Tasmai Sri Gurave Nama Biadhasya Charanam Druvasya Chavayo. Gajendrasya Kubjaya Kimunam Rupa Madhikam Kim Tatsudam कि स्थन का को जह सद्यसा भीलेभ dhātri uchitāṁ tato sharanam brajema Yo brahmanam vidadhati purvam Yo vai vedanscha prahinoti tasmai Tagvang ha devamatma buddhe prakasham Mumukturvai sharanamaham prapadhyay We'll have a few minutes of Nam Sankirtan during which time we can do Roop Dhyan. Govinda, Govinda, Gopa. i In...
1: Continuing where we left off yesterday, examining the 26 character virtues which Sri Krishna enumerates in the 16th chapter of the Gita, we'll look at seven more of these characteristics tonight. Last night I explained to you that Satvagun is one of the three qualities of Maya. Maya is the cosmic power that has taken the form of this universe with the will of God. God activates Maya and Maya takes the form of the universe or it evolves into the form of the universe. Everything in the universe is made of maya, but God is beyond maya, and souls are also not made of maya. Souls are divine, and thus related to God. But everything else is made of maya, all the physical things, and even our mind. So our body and mind are made of maya, but our true self, the soul, is divine. Because, the mind is made of maya, it has the three mayic gunas or qualities inherently there, just as a part of it. They are sattva raj and tam. Raj and tam tend to take you away from God and sattva tends to take you towards God. This is why Shri Krishna calls the sattvic qualities daivi gunas in this chapter. Daivi meaning godly, related to God. And he calls rajas and tamas gunas asuri gunas, which literally means demonic or devilish although Rajas gunas may not seem that bad on the surface, but they tend to take us away from God, which can end up leading towards even worse, the development of even worse qualities in our mind. So both Rajas and Tamas qualities are considered Asuri gunas in this chapter. So the first guna we looked at, meaning the first uh, Devi guna, Godly virtue that one could develop in their personality was sattva sanshuddhi. developing this sattvic guna in the mind. Through good actions, good thoughts, through devotion to God, through sattvic ahar, sattvic food, meaning healthy vegetarian food, we can develop the sattvic quality in our mind. To help us with all of this, we can develop the second Guna, Jnana Yoga Vyavasthiti, keeping the spiritual knowledge or Tattva Jnana in our mind all the time. Even Brahma Sutra says, Avritti Rasa Kridupade We have to listen to the philosophy again and again, the same basic philosophy, just to understand that I am the soul. I am not this body. This body is temporary, and everything related to it is temporary. God is divine and permanent, and he is eternally mine. So I truly belong to him. My perfect happiness can only be found when I meet him. No amount of material possessions or even material love can give the soul perfect happiness. This basic knowledge has to be listened to and reviewed in the mind again and again. Otherwise, we forget immediately. It goes in one ear and out the other. So, Sri Krishna also mentions a third guna, that we should study this philosophy, listen to lectures about this philosophy, read the philosophy and keep the philosophy fresh in our mind so that we can keep developing these positive qualities in our mind. The fourth guna was abhayam, being fearless. I also told you that these qualities develop automatically as a person progresses on the path of bhakti because true bhakti means... Attaching your mind to God. And if your mind is attached to God, it's getting purified. And if it's getting purified, that means sattvagun is increasing, rajogun and tamogun are being suppressed, which means all these daivigunas are going to come in your mind anyway. So you can keep all these virtues in your mind, meaning think of them from two different perspectives. One as a landmark that if you notice they're developing, it means you're gaining progress on the path of bhakti. And from the other point of view, as something that in addition to your devotion to God, you could be aware of, that I should also think that this is a good quality. I should try to put some effort into developing in my personality. So one of them I mentioned was abhay, being fearless. And most of us don't face situations that, that threaten us physically on a daily basis. So, but most of us do face situations that make us fearful on a daily basis. And generally that fear has to do with fear of failure or fear of embarrassment, fear of being humiliated or seeming incompetent. As I sit here before you, of course, there's a fear somewhere in my mind. Oh, what if I forget that shlok? Oh, what if I forget what I was going to say? I have all these points I want to cover. What if I forget? What will these people think of me? That fear is there, but if I focus on that fear, then I become paralyzed and I can't accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish. So we try to develop the virtue of fearlessness. We say, Jo hoga, so hoga, I'll try my best. Let the chips fall where they may, I'm just going to give it my best shot. Along with that was the quality tej, which means a bright, positive attitude or outlook and and an energetic um, quality to the personality. This is also a daivi guna. And the last one we looked at yesterday after Abhayam and Tej was Dhriti, which goes along with this, a sense of determination to accomplish what we've set out to accomplish, even if we don't quite know how we're going to get there, all the way there in the end but we know that's the right goal. I want to get there, and I can. I at least know that if I take these steps, I'm moving in that direction. So even if I can't see all the way to the end of the road, I'll at least take these steps. And when I get further ahead, then I'll also be able to see further ahead. And in that way, we keep going, just like on the path to God. We know what we have to do if we've been coming to Radha Madhavdham or studying the books of Jagadguru Guru Shri Kripalu Maharaj, we're at least starting to get some idea of what we have to do if we want to attain God. So, all we have to do is do it. Don't worry about how long it's going to take, how far do I have to go, how will I reach there. Just keep taking the necessary steps and we'll see how it progresses. Now, tonight we'll move on to a few more virtues. The first one, well, let me see if I can remember one more of these shlokas from the 16th chapter. I told you one of them, the first one yesterday. The second one is, Ahinsa satyam akrodha styaagah shantirapai shunam. Dayabhuteshvalo luptvam Mardavam hrirachapalam Fyoof! <laughs> <laughs> Only one more to go. <laughs> so, now we have a few more virtues to look at. The first one I'm going to take is actually from the first shloka. It's yajna. Now here yajna doesn't... Isn't, isn't restricted just to the act of doing havan, the vaidic fire ceremony. It means in general worship to God. Shri Krishna says this is a daivi guna. You see in this same chapter, the 16th chapter, he tells about the asuri gunas. And when he's describing that, one of the asuri gunas or the bad qualities is ishvaroham aham Ishwar. I am God. He says the one who thinks that, he's developing bad qualities in his mind. And the one who has a worshipful attitude in his mind, he is developing the good qualities. If we feel I am Ishwar, I am God, then we have no one to bow down to, no one to surrender to, no one to answer to. I will do whatever I please. There's no God who's going to give me the consequences of my actions. I am God, Ishwaroham. This attitude is obviously very damaging to a person's spiritual progress and could lead them to do really bad things in the world as well. But developing the attitude, even if it's with a very formal way of worship, See, here in Radha Madavdam we teach Raganuga Bhakti, which doesn't emphasize much on the formalities. Very little formality added into the devotion, mostly just trying to meditate on the form of Radha Krishna and develop love for them and chant some Kirtan. Okay, we do Arti On a few special occasions, we may do Abhishek. Not many formalities. But let's say someone has a more formal approach to devotion to God. And maybe they don't even feel that much attachment in their mind to God. They're doing it because they feel it's the right thing to do. So they do some worship to God. That is also a good thing. Shri Krishna is saying at least they're umante ki bhagwan hai. They at least accept that there is a God and I'm smaller than him. If they're worshipping God, it means they're accepting I'm smaller than him. I have to surrender to him. I have to, although we don't teach fear in Raganuga Bhakti, at least that thought should be there. I should fear that if I do a wrong thing, I'll receive the punishment. So that feeling of humbleness is there. At least that much is there if a person is worshipping God. Even if it's a pure formality and there's no inner attachment, at least they have the feeling of humbleness and surrender before God as they're worshipping him. But even though that is so, we should keep in mind that the true devotion is done from the heart. It's not just a physical formality. To illustrate this point, I'll tell you a story about a businessman, a Setji, who was a devotee of God. And he used to wor- start worshipping Krishna. He was a general devotee of God. And then he started worshipping Krishna. And it so happened that, I mean, it wasn't, it was just in his prarabdh that around the time he started worshipping Sri Krishna, Whatever little profit he had, whatever little he had saved up, he ended up losing all of that as well. He wasn't a very successful businessman. So someone told him, don't you know, you won't get money by worshipping Krishna. You should worship Durga Ji. So he got himself a murti of Durga Mata. He set Shri Krishna aside, he said... You're of no use to me. I'm going to worship Durga Mata now. So he put Durga Mata front and center in his mandir at home, and he started doing puja of Durga ji. He lit some incense and he was going like this, and there happened to be a little breeze that was taking that incense towards Shri Krishna, who's over there, as going towards his face. He says, you're even going to take this from me? No, I will not have it. He went and got some rui, some cotton uh, ball, and he stuffed it in the nostrils of Shri Krishna's murti. Shri Krishna appeared before him. The sage says, why have you come now? I worshipped you for so long. All you did was take all my money. You've come to me now? He said yes, because now's the first time you've ever had faith in me. That Serji, he really believed this is Shri Krishna and he's stealing this agarbatti. <laughs> first he took all my money, now he's taking my agarbatti. But that feeling of faith, that that this is not just a murti, this really is Shri Krishna. He had that much faith that Shri Krishna had to appear before him. So that's the true form of worship. But even if we're not at that level of faith, and even if someone is doing it as a formality, it's still a good start. It will develop positive qualities in the mind. The next quality we'll look at is shauch. Shauch means cleanliness. Of course, all of these qualities generally have to do with the mind. So we're talking about mental cleanliness. But physical cleanliness is also important. Someone may say, oh, what does it matter? I'll let my room or my house, wherever I live, just become completely dirty, leave all my dirty clothes everywhere, never do the dishes. Doesn't matter. Bhagwan is in here. I just do my meditation. He graces me. Well, yes, this is true. That That's correct. But the thing is, you don't remain in your meditation 24 hours a day. You also live in your house. You spend time in your room. And your environment affects you. You see, we only have one mind. And even though we talk sometimes of compartmentalization in the mind, it doesn't really work in terms of devotion. That let's say someone wants to be doing devotion to God. They're trying to discipline their mind and attach it to God. And then on the other hand, in their worldly affairs, they become very careless. They don't clean the house They don't clean their body. They don't wear clean clothes. Everything is falling apart. They don't do a good job at work. It means in order to do all those things, in order to allow all of that to happen, the mind is being very careless. Careless, lazy, apathetic. So with that same mind, you're trying to be careful in devotion. It doesn't work. All those bad qualities you're developing while interacting in the world, that's going to also spill over and affect your devotion. So even such a thing as keeping our body clean, wearing neat and clean clothes, we don't have to be fashionable, just neat and clean. Keeping the house clean, it also doesn't have to be up-to-date with the latest decorations or entertainments, but neat and tidy it helps maintain a sattvic state of mind. So if we try to maintain a careful attitude in everything we do, to do everything well, then that helps maintain the sattvic quality of the mind, and that also boosts our devotion. It's all interconnected. This mind and body are very closely connected. Obviously, that's why I can feel that. My body is not alive. This is... a We are all under the false impression that these bodies are alive. They're not. This is just material stuff. Because our soul is in the body, so the body is functioning and looking like a live thing, but it's not. As soon as you remove the soul, the body is just a lifeless thing. But... Soul and mind permeate this body, so the body has consciousness. That's why I can feel all over, from head to toe. I can feel everything in my body. So there's a link between the body and the mind. And mind is also adhyastha in the soul. So all three are together. They're very entwined together. That's why what we do with our body affects our mind. And what we do with our mind affects our body. So even if our main goal is to increase our devotion, we still have to take care of our body and our environment and try to maintain a sattvic attitude. The next quality is ahinsa, a famous quality of the Gita, which I am actually surprised more people don't see the irony in this. That Ahinsa is being told by Shri Krishna as a quality. That, sh- that is a daivi guna. Ahinsa means non-violence. And to whom is he telling that you should develop Ahinsa in your mind? To Arjun. And why is he talking to Arjun? Because Arjuna has said, I don't want to fight this war. And Shri Krishna is telling him, no, you have to fight this war. But by the way, ahimsa is a good quality. <laughs> and people say, what is Gita about? Oh, it's about Ahinsa. Whole Gita is about convincing Arjun to fight the war. So what is ahimsa really? It's obviously not physical nonviolence. Because physically, that's not realistic. To think that in this world where sattva rajtam resides in everybody's mind and some people have developed sattvagun but others have developed rajogun and tamogun, they've developed the bad qualities of their mind. So those types of people are going to use what power they have to oppress others, break the law, take what they can, however they can. In such a world where you have good and bad qualities in everybody's mind, and you have people who have developed the bad qualities or the good qualities, you can't expect to live a purely peaceful life and just say, no, nobody should ever use physical force against anyone. It's not realistic. If someone is going to break the law, someone else has to uphold the law. (laughs) And if the person breaking the law is going to use physical force to do so, then the person upholding the law also has to match that physical force in order to uphold the law or stop them from breaking the law or put them in jail or something. So Arjun's position was like this. He was like a modern-day police officer. In those days, that was his role in the society, to uphold the laws of dharma. And Duryodhan and his family, they were breaking the laws repeatedly, openly, and they wouldn't listen to any kind of reason. They tried rationalizing with them, bargaining with them. Threatening them, they tried all the different ways, bribing them, meaning giving them some incentive. Okay, if you stop doing this, then we'll give you that. Nothing worked. Duryodhan said, You want anything from me? You have to fight me. I won't give you even one needle point of land. So then, when all other options have been exhausted, if the police officer has exhausted all the non violent options, hey, thief, stop. And the thief says, I'll do whatever I want. Stop, I'm pulling out my gun. And the thief says, I don't care. And the police officer says, oh, well, puts his gun away and goes home. He didn't listen to me. Then that police officer will get thrown in jail, won't he? So there comes a point where the use of physical force becomes necessary. It's not the first option. It's not the desire of the police officer that I should be able to use physical force today, but it's a last resort that has to be used if necessary. So Arjun was in this position. Like it or not, he was going to have to fight this war if he was going to do the right thing. Not all wars are so cut and dried. Many wars are much more morally ambiguous than the Mahabharat was. The Mahabharat was it was very easy to see. This was right, this was wrong. Arjuna was on the right side. So if he walked away, it was going to be the wrong thing. This is why Shri Krishna was telling him, no, you have to fight this war. You're going to set a terrible example for the world, for one thing, walking away from your duty. And for another thing... Well, it's a big, long explanation. I'm not going to go into it now. The main point being that Ahinsa does not just mean physical nonviolence. It means mentally not wishing harm to another, but still doing what you have to according to the situation. Arjun successfully fought the war and maintained the quality of Ahinsa. Because he didn't hate anybody on that battlefield, he didn't desire to kill anybody on that battlefield, but according to the situation, he acted how he had to. So this is ahinsa, and it means internal nonviolence, not wishing violence upon anyone, not wishing to have to use physical force against anyone, but still, according to the reality of the situation, acting appropriately. The fourth virtue we're looking at tonight is called mardavam. This means, in Hindi, you would say komalata, softness, like being soft-hearted, being gentle, being kind. This again doesn't mean that in every situation, you have to be soft on the outside, that you just let people do whatever they want all the time. That's not what it means. It means from inside we should be soft-hearted. When we're talking to another person, we should think, if Sri Krishna was sitting right here beside me, if he were in the room with me, how would I be speaking right now? Imagine how that would change our actions. How would that change the way we behave with others if we just remembered that one thing? I said it as an if, right? If Sri Krishna were here with me, how would I be talking? It's not an if, it's a fact. He is here. It's just that we forget it. So this gentleness comes to whatever extent we remember God is here, then it's automatic. If you remember God, Shri Krishna is here. He's also in the heart of the person I'm talking to. So we should use our strength of mind to be soft by remembering that God is with us. This is a virtue that Shri Krishna mentions, Mardhavam. You probably know someone who is kind-hearted, soft-hearted, very gentle, yet also can stand their ground when they need to. So it's okay to be both things, but from inside we have to be soft. Next comes satyam, truthfulness. This is an obvious one, but it also has to be understood correctly. Satyam doesn't mean you have to absolutely tell the truth in every single situation. What if uh, you're walking down the street and you see some some, uh, criminal chasing a helpless person down the street and, and that person runs down an alley and hides. And the criminal comes running by and sees you and says, Hey, where did that person go? Did you see them? So, and you're thinking, in Gita, Shri Krishna says, Satyam. (laughs) So if I don't tell the truth, is it wrong? No, in this case, it would be wrong to tell the truth. You'd be aiding and abetting a, a criminal act. So you would lie. You would say, no, I didn't see anything. Or he went that way when he actually went that way. So, we can't just take it blindly we have to really think about how does it apply in everyday conversations it's not always the right thing to tell the truth what if telling the truth would unnecessarily hurt another person's feelings it's okay withhold something don't tell the exact truth it's not going to ca- meaning it's not going to cause them any harm. You're just sugar-coating it a little bit. You're just trying to avoid hurting their feelings. That's okay. Where you have to be careful is when, when we cross the line into breaking this satyam in order to get some kind of benefit for ourselves. For our own benefit, telling a lie. Then we've crossed the line. Then we're entering the area where we're going to start receiving bad karma, bad results for such things. Like not admitting a mistake. What's our first reaction when we've done something wrong and someone else points it out? Nahito? <laughs> Me? No way. Then we start thinking of excuses. Oh no, it was because of this, it was because of that. The fact is, it was our mistake and nobody else's. We start making up all kinds of stories. It's our natural reaction from the time we were little kids. That's been our natural inclination to do that. So it's something we have to break. It's like a discipline. We have to discipline ourselves to... Be brave, be fearless, accept the mistake. The mistake is already done, why exacerbate it further? I mean, karmically speaking, even if you tell the lie and get away with the mistake and nobody knows about it, you think, Ki, ah, bach you think you, you got away with it, but you didn't. You now redoubled your karmic consequences. Now, In addition to the mistake you did, now you also told a lie to cover up that mistake, and it just keeps compounding. Usually when you tell one lie, it leads to having to tell another lie to cover up the first lie. There was a little uh, jingle that we learned when we were kids. Tell one lie, it leads to another, and it keeps going on and on. <laughs> So, And this is the fact, we even get caught in that as adults, we do. And it's embarrassing because you you think back to when you were a kid. Oh my God, that happened to me when I was a little kid. Here I am, a full-grown adult, and I'm doing it again. So we don't want, we should just be brave, accept our mistake, take the embarrassment or whatever it is, because we know in the long run, karmically speaking, we don't want to be held responsible for all the falsehoods that we might have to uh, develop in order to cover that up. And of course, we don't want to tell a lie to take advantage of someone else. So, this is how it's applied. You have to think how is it practically applied? Doesn't mean absolute truth in every situation, but don't break the truth, don't be dishonest in order to get personal gain or in order to cover up something, or to make yourself look better than you actually are. But if it's to avoid hurting someone's feelings, as long as it doesn't create a bad situation, it's fine. Okay, after satyam, we'll look at a couple more virtues. Hri. Hri means modesty. This is a virtue which is, as far as mainstream American media goes, it's the exact opposite. You could say, if you ask mainstream American media, hri is like an asuri guna.
2: <laughs>
1: in other words, everything you see in print in movies, on TV, in every possible media, billboards, everything is the opposite of modesty. Modesty means, for instance, physical modesty, covering your body. Why do we feel a need to show our body? I don't know, but it's like part of the culture now. If you don't do it, there's something people think, what's wrong with you? Are you from the 1950s or something? I mean, you're covering your whole body? But Shri Krishna is saying, no, this modesty is a good quality. It's a sattvic quality of the mind. It maintains a positive attitude in your mind. So physical modesty, just behavioral modesty, meaning, again, according to American culture, we should be very outgoing, forceful, loud, Hey, there's certain situations where that's probably an asset, but not as a general character. Uh, it's uh, Why do we have to be the center of attention all the time? Well, Sri Krishna is teaching us that actually being more introverted is a sattvic quality. It's okay to be friendly and personable and... Relate well to others, but that desire to always be the center of attention, to be noticed, to, to be the, you know, the one in the room that everybody else is looking at. This is a very highly regarded thing in our Western culture, but it's the exact opposite in the Gita. Shri Krishna is saying, make yourself small. (laughs) Make yourself be introverted, think of God, be helpful to others. Think what you can do to make someone else feel good instead of thinking about how we can just promote ourselves or make ourselves noticed. Appaishunam is another very important virtue. Before that, let me get to one other one. Arjavam. Arjavam means straightforwardness. Straightforwardness in behavior, like being simple-hearted, being the opposite of crafty, like we say char sobis, the opposite of being crafty and cunning. We should be simple-hearted and straightforward. Again, we have to think of how does this apply in real life? There may be times where we have to use our craftiness or our cunningness to escape some dangerous situation, like the time the dog went on safari with his master. If you've heard this one, don't tell the punchline. He went on safari with his master and he got a little separated. He was chasing butterflies here and there and... uh, He realized, oh, where did my master go? I don't know. And he felt tired, so he just lay down there in the jungle. Well, as he's lying there, a lion starts approaching. And this lion is licking his chops like he's about to make a meal out of this dog. So the dog thinks quickly, and he sees some bones over there. So he grabs one of those bones and starts gnawing on it. And when the lion came close enough, he just said to himself, pretending like he didn't know the lion was there, that, oh boy, this was sure one tasty lion. I can't wait until I find another one. So the lion stopped and quietly started going away. The dog figures, okay, I'm safe. But there was a monkey in the tree, and this monkey lived in the jungle and had to deal with this lion every day. So he thought, here's a chance for me to ingratiate myself to this lion. He's going to owe me one. So he went and caught up to the lion and told him the trick the dog had played on him. The dog noticed this whole interaction, and now he sees the lion coming back towards him with the monkey riding on his back. So now he's thinking, oh boy, what am I going to do? But he thought quickly again. When the lion came close enough to hear him, he again said to himself, I sent that monkey out half an hour ago to find me another lion, and he's not back yet. (laughs) Again, the lion turned around, but this time the monkey was in big trouble. So it's okay to use your cunning if you need to. Use your intelligence to keep yourself from some kind of a dangerous situation, or to keep yourself from getting taken advantage of. But... Jagadguru Shri Kripaluji Maharaj, he says, we have this buddhi, we have this intelligence, we should use it, yes, but use it to keep from getting tricked or fooled by others. Don't use it in order to fool others. Don't, so use it to keep yourself from getting taken advantage of from others don't use it to take advantage of others so it's okay to use your buddhi but just not to take advantage of others as much as possible we should be behave in a very straightforward and simple way bhagwan himself says saral swabhav naman he says i like saral swabhav Swadhao means your nature, and Saral means simple. Namana Kutilai, Kutilai means tera, like that. I don't like when someone is very manipulative and cunning in their heart. Purusha na punsak nari nar jiva chara charakoi Sarvabhava bhaja kapat taji mohi param priyasoi Pahagwawan Ram says, "Anyone, whoever they may be, man, woman, anybody, if they worship me wholeheartedly and leave all dishonesty and cunningness, then mohi parama that person becomes supremely dear to me. Manjan so Pava." Mohi kapat chhal bhava. A pure-hearted person can find me, Bhagwan Ram says. Not the one who has kapat chhal, the one who uses his intellect to try to fool me or others. We try to fool God as well. We say tvameva mata chapita tvameva. It's a common prayer, everybody says, when they go to the temple. And it means, you alone are my mother. You alone are my father. Tvam eva means you only. Tu hi. But that's not the truth in our heart. In our heart, we are more attached to our family, our physical family, who are related to our physical body. So our heart tells the truth, that we love our family, but we're showing some formality to God. We're saying like we say paying lip service to him. Just reciting a shlok. Just you know, telling him that I love you, but actually my heart only loves the world. So this is chal, this is kapat. Bhagwan Ram says Man bachana chaturai hi kripa from your man, from your mind, from your words, and from your physical actions, when you abandon all such dishonesty and craftiness and worship Him, then He immediately begins to grace you. So, this is Arjavam. And the last one for tonight that we'll cover, a very important one, Apaisunam. Apaisunam means, in English, you can say, non gossiping and not uh, causing a drama. You can say, this, this quality, apaisunam. it's the exact opposite of a 24-hour news station. <clears throat> what do they do? Whatever gossip they get, repeat it as many times as possible and as little a time as possible, and then sensationalize it, over-dramatize it. This is the opposite of apaisunam. Shri Krishna says in our personal life, we have to be the opposite of that news station. Gossip, in other words, we should be the place where that good news story comes to die. When that juicy little tidbit of gossip reaches us, it doesn't go any further. That's apayishunam. When we're dealing with a situation, we take it as it is. We don't over-dramatize it that, oh, this person is like this and that person is like that. Because we do have to deal with difficult situations. We can't just have our head in the sand and act like everything is good all the time. No matter where we are in the world, even in an ashram, we have to uh, resolve certain situations. So they're best resolved when we keep the drama out of it and just deal with things in a respectful and calm way. Jagat Guru Shri Kripaluji Maharaj goes to the point of saying, in fact, we should not even, never mind criticizing someone else out loud, which we tend to do behind people's backs, right? That's also a form of gossip. When someone does something we don't like, or they have a personality trait we don't like, Instead of going to that person and dealing directly with them, we tell somebody else. And then we tell somebody else. It makes us feel better, like we're getting more people on our team. Because that person is wrong. They have that fault. They're very wrong. They did this thing to me. They're bad. Now I want all these people on my team. So we tell as many people as possible about that person. But we haven't resolved the situation. The situation was between me and that person. So either I forget about it, I decide, you know what, I can live with this, it's not a big deal, forget about it. Or I say, no, I can't live with this, I need to address this situation, so go directly to that person, not when I'm angry, but when I've thought about it and I'm cool, and I go and I, in a respectful and polite way, thinking about their feelings and how my words are going to affect them, I address the subject with them. Even if someone does that, Jagat Guru Shri Kripaluji Maharaj takes it a step further. He says we shouldn't even mentally be looking into the faults of others. We have more than enough in here to keep us busy 24 hours a day. If we want to fault-find, look in here. He says that the sure sign of one's own impurity of heart is the degree of fault-finding we do in another. However much time we spend fault-finding, that's how impure our own heart is. Because we tend to see according to how we are. Why not see the virtues in another person? We're all full of faults, certainly, but we all also have virtues. We have both. So why do we focus on the faults of others? Think about how our mind works. How about how sad that is? That when we think of others, maybe you can analyze yourself tomorrow or for the rest of today. When we think of others, when you're thinking about another person, how often are you actually thinking about the virtue and thinking, oh, I should be more like that. Wow, this person has this great quality about them compared to... Oh, this person is like that. Oh, that's really annoying. I bet 95% of the time we're on this side. We we tend to focus on the negative. Why? That's the state of this. That shows us. You know, like State of the Union address of the president, he tells us the state of the country. That's the state of our heart. We can measure it ourselves. So when that's our inner state, it means we have more than enough to deal with in here. Now, why does Shri Kripaluji Maharaj say we shouldn't even look into the faults of others? There's two main reasons. The first is that when we're looking into the fault of another, we're actually imbibing that same quality more into ourselves. That's the way our mind works. Whatever we dwell upon, it enters our mind and becomes more a part of us. So the very thing we despise, we're becoming more like. And secondly, when we're looking into the fault of the other, we're thinking, they're like that, and I'm better. In other words, we're developing our vanity, which is the opposite. Vanity is a rajas or tamas quality. Humbleness is a sattvic quality. So the feeling of, I also have that fault. I also have many things I should try to improve on that feeling of humbleness brings us closer to god much more quickly and helps us that's like the foundation for developing all these other good qualities so for this reason shri kripaluji maharaj says even if the other person is bad such much bura hai, hai worthy of criticism Nonetheless, why should you do that with your mind? He's worthy of criticism. Okay, let someone else do it. (laughs) Why sacrifice your mind for that? Because it is a sacrifice. Now you've put your mind in that fault. In order to do that, you've had to forget God, forget Radha Krishna. Now you're bringing all this stress into your own mind. It's truly a sacrifice so although it sounds like a very selfless thing to do that this person deserves criticism and i'm willing to sacrifice my mental state in order to do it <laughs> shri kripaluji maharaj says no don't be the one even if the person deserves criticism even if they really are bad don't put your mind in that keep your mind in something positive if a situation needs to be dealt with that's another thing altogether. You have to deal with it. It's fine. But 99% of the time, it's it's not a situation we ever will deal with. It's just something we keep dwelling on in our own mind. And if you dwell on it long enough, it ends up coming out of the mouth as well. How many times has it happened to me that I was thinking and thinking about another person's fault and also thinking I'll never say this to them? But then something happens that pushes that button one day and out it comes. And I think I never meant to say that, but I thought it so many times, eventually it came out. So this quality is a very important one to develop. This quality of appai shunam, non-gossiping, not trying to look for drama or you know, sensationalizing a situation and to take the whole thing a step further, how our Guruji has taught us not to even fault find in another person, not to even look into their faults, but instead to acknowledge our own shortcomings and try to look into the virtues of other people, honor their virtues, admire them for their virtues, and try to develop those virtues in ourself. So further ahead, what other virtues Shri Krishna tells us, we'll learn about tomorrow. Yeah.